I do my own product research and you know, I'm into soap. I see the same woman. She's always in the same bathtub with the same bubbles and <laughs> she happens to be on Pixabay. So at least go to a good site. I mean, Pixabay is useful, but what I like to do is I actually like to get a model. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Ad Project Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Joe Shelley from Ad Advance, and today I'm joined by Norm Farrar. Norm, it's awesome to have you on the podcast, man. Well, thanks. It's great to be here. Yeah, yeah. And so for those who don't know Norm, he is a big person in the Amazon space and the e-commerce space. I've seen you at many different conferences. For people who aren't familiar with you, maybe give us a quick intro. Sure. I feel like I'm the old guy in the industry, but uh, I've, been, I've been doing e-commerce since the 90s. So when it was really tough to put a website together. That is awesome. But started there, ended up getting involved. Just I had a promotions company. We were doing a lot of stuff in China. Ended up owning our family, owning a couple of factories over in Taiwan and still own a technically own a factory in China. So we learned a lot. We learned about fulfillment. We learned about specialty packaging. Anyways, Amazon came around 2013, 14. It was around a lot earlier. I jumped in and it was my perfect storm. I, you know, I just got involved and I, I love it. You know, everything you need to be part of e-commerce, like the ads and Facebook and all the marketing, the branding, it, especially nowadays, it's all there in Amazon. That is awesome. That is awesome. Yeah. And, you know, I got started on Amazon around the same time. It was like 2014 time period. And yeah, it, it is amazing how much the platform and just e-commerce in general has evolved. And I mean, if you were starting in the 90s, like I created my first website back in the mid 90s, and I can't imagine trying to like do an e-commerce site itself back in the day. So you've seen the whole wide range of changes throughout the, the e-commerce life CD cycle. Now? <laughs> yeah. Do you remember CD Now? Yes. Yes. I remember CD Now. Yeah. I read that book and I thought, oh, you know, if they can do it, why can't we? That is <laughs> awesome. That is awesome. Yeah. So, you know, it, there's been so many changes since we started on Amazon, but just even recently, I mean, Earlier in the day, like you could just focus and just be an Amazon specific seller and see a ton of success and feel like over time, we've really had to like branch out to different platforms and look at different strategies and find different ways to become and stay and be relevant overall and keep our business growing. So I just want to see like you've got your finger on the pulse for a lot of different e-commerce trends with everything that you're doing and everybody that you're talking to. I guess what are some key trends that you've been seeing recently and what are some ways that you feel like e-commerce owners have really been able to thrive in the current situation? Oh, probably the first thing is people are getting away from that Me Too product. So product innovation. Sure. So product innovation, I mean, if you're not doing it and if you're not packaging properly, like you could just throw up something in a cello wrap before and it would sell. Now you've really got to take a look at your competition. You've got to have that perceived value. And that all starts with product innovation. You've got to be different than anybody else. If you're selling red plastic shoe stretchers, seven other people are doing it. It's not going to work or it'll be pretty tough to work. Another area that this started over COVID 
And that's people looking for other options outside of China. So, you know, I've got friends that have done that are, are doing seminars and webinars over in India, Korea, great for cosmetics, Vietnam, a lot of Chinese headed up divisions in Vietnam over in the U.S. and in Mexico and in Latin America. We just did a, an event in Mexico that uh, I couldn't believe the quality of the exhibitors that came out. I, I ended up buying all sorts of beauty products, different ceramics, all like barbecues that they were building and not selling anything up here in North America. South America, no problem, all the way down to the tip of Argentina. These are major changes. This is a paradigm shift that's going on in the industry and you can ride the wave on this. Now, the other thing with this is going to China right now, it depends. I mean, there, there are areas that you're still going to, it's smooth sailing, but there are issues. There's the 25% Trump tariff. You've got the actual tariffs coming into the country. You've got the freight, freight, you, What's happening with freight? Is sure. it going to make it? Is it going to cost you $25,000? Where is it going to be? Like there's problems with that right now. So when you're dealing in the U.S., and I have to tell you, most of the products that I'm selling right now, I've made it a point to sell. Like I can go, I, I can't walk to the manufacturer, but it's in the U.S. Every. Sure. Almost everything that I'm doing is made in the U.S. or products are brought into the U.S. to be repackaged, which is very different than before. Um, and the other part to doing all of this is I can go to Mexico. I can do the exact same thing there. And it's going to be up here very quickly. Sure. That is the probably one of the largest or biggest changes that we're seeing. Yeah. Yeah, no. it, it's been it's been amazing how much supply chains have been impacted. And I, I just remember, like, when I started selling, and I'm sure when you started selling, it was the go to you would go to China to try to find all the different products that you could purchase. Well, you know, actually, if you go back even further, because we're thinking 2013, and you're yeah, absolutely yeah. correct. But you go back and back into the 90s, you weren't going to China. U.S. had all the manufacturers there. Sure, sure. You know, so, I mean, you wanted something, it was there. They've left. And now, you know, this is the problem that we're left with. But the good news is a lot of the U.S., a lot of U.S. companies are seeing that they can open up and they can be profitable. Another thing, like my partner in, in Honu, what he looks for is how can we do something that's made in China that's less expensive and bring it over here. And there's things that you can do, different materials. You can take, let's say, something that's um, very labor intensive and make it more robot driven or automated, which cuts sure. down the cost. Turn a wood product into a resin product. I mean, there's all sorts of different ways that you can bring the cost down. So sure. just because you're getting something done in China doesn't mean you can't explore other options. 
Yeah. Walk me through like different e-commerce channels too. As I was getting going on the Amazon side, again, it was enough to start with a Me Too product Mm -hmm. and just sell on Amazon. Feel that that is definitely not the case anymore. And so walk me through other channels that you're really focusing on, whether, you know, is it Walmart? Is it like direct through your website? Is it other channels that you're finding too? Like, where do you think people should also be focusing their efforts outside of Amazon? Yeah, this is, this is, uh, I love this, but it, it comes down before you can even get to that, you really have to build a brand. Sure. You know, there used to be arguments and it probably still is, but a lot of the two years ago, three years ago, you would throw something up. Amazon is telling you, we want to build a brand around the community or a community around the brand. And they're giving us tools like store stores, live post, they're telling us we need it. So once you build that community and once you have um, what I would call authority and authority, I mean, you've got a brand that's consistent, that might be doing some social media, that has a website, that when people see you as a micro brand and they source for you on Google, that you're actually going to be consistent and you look like you have some authority. So as soon as you have authority, you have trust, you have sales. And then Areas that I would be looking at right now, I'm loving Walmart. Walmart's doing things every day to take a piece out of Amazon, a piece or a bite at a time. And they're going to they're gonna be a major player. And I don't know what's going to happen, but I think that this year you're going to see a few things happen with Walmart Marketplace that are going to allow you to get a lot more sales, become a lot more competitive. And right now, it's still, I think it's still in its infancy stage. People are getting sales. You're getting that 10 to 30% piece out of, out of Amazon. I have seen in some niches where you've surpassed Amazon, which is a shock. But it's growing and it's growing quite rapidly. And their whole model, this whole Project Glass model where they're saying, okay, our omni-channel is going to be, you can pick it up, order it, pick it up. You can have it delivered from your local, you know, Walmart store, which is, there's a gazillion of them, not like Amazon with 100 fulfillment centers. Or you can have it delivered by WFS or by merchant. I love it. I think Walmart's doing a great job. Plus, they give you the opportunity to, they actually have a tool that's fantastic called Growth Opportunities. And you can see whether, like when you launch, what you have to do, how your progress is doing, and whether you're a good product or a good fit or not. And you have the choice from 1% all the way up to 100%. If you're at 100%, you're probably doing a pretty good job and you're probably getting the attention of the algorithm. Now, moving on from there, the obvious choice, like for me, is would be Shopify. So Shopify, it's it's a tougher go. You you sure. have to you have to bring the audience. You know, Walmart and uh, and Amazon have a captivated audience. Amazon's the largest product search engine in the world. People go there to mm-hmm. buy. It's not necessary. There's a lot of tire kickers on Google. There's a lot of buyers, but you have to get that traffic, either Facebook, Instagram, whoever, whatever, influencers, but they've got to be driven over to the site. And there's a lot of different strategies and a lot of techniques to do it. Personally, 
I, I love the challenge of a new B2C website. You know, I love it. I think that with the right, with the right look, if your brand's on track, if you can drive the right traffic, if it's at the right price, and if your customer eccentric, you know, you're gonna build, you're gonna build an incredible, you know, site. And sure. one of the things that I get into all the time, almost, I don't have a lot of products that are one-offs. I have recurring revenue. Like, you know, I'm in the beauty. If you're gonna shampoo, I don't have to worry about that. But, but <laughs> if you had hair and you wanted to shampoo, you're going to run out every 30 days and you're going to come back and buy my product because our customer service, our brand, the quality of the product is impeccable. So sure. that's Shopify. And then, I mean, there's so many. If you're in, in pets and you're not on Chewy, why? You know, you can go to Petco, Costco. I don't know if they still do this. I got to talk to my team, but I know Costco used to give you online two products that you could put up. I don't know if they still have that program in place. Costco's another sure. one to watch for. I think Costco is going to be another really good marketplace. You've got Wayfair. You know, it's a it, it, Wayfair can be a really good platform. You've got Fair. Now Fair's a wholesale sure. site. You know, they give you a page that you can use the i think i'm gonna shock you with this one okay i'm ready old for school it. old school marketing so mom and pop yeah. retail stores sure all across like who's marketing to mom and pop retail stores everybody's thinking online well i guarantee you i live in a i live in a town you know where there's probably you know more ducks than people you know i've got nine <laughs> restaurants here like pizza yeah. and subs that's it so when i go to a, a city i'm pretty happy but anyways yeah. but anyways here like if you go down the main street you're going to see a hardware store owned by a, like an individual you're going to you're going to see a pet store that's going to be an independent and there are thousands and thousands and thousands of these places in the U.S. Yeah. So why not market to them? You can sell them wholesale case lots and they pay you up front. So those are just a, yeah. a, a few that I'm looking at. I love that. And there, there's a lot to unpack there. One, one item I want to dig in yeah. with you more and get your perspective. So when we talk about building a brand... I think a lot of people take that in many different ways. Like some people say, okay, I just had to have like similar products, which maybe I can cross sell. And there's other people who think, okay, it's got to be all the logos and everything else that goes along with that. It's got to tie into the packaging and all my messaging has to tie together. Like, is it the perceived value side? Is it the cross selling side? Is it the combination of all these things? Like walk me through how you picture building a brand for those people who are kind of scratching their heads and figure out like okay. where do I start so you don't start on Fiverr usually if you yeah. it, you might be testing the water so you might create a, a product you might create a logo you know very inexpensive and you want to just throw it out there to see if the product sells to, to tip your toe in the water once you have some sort of proof that things are going to work your way and you want to get in further that's when I would go to a quality designer. You could go to 99 designs. I mean, that that's fine. 
I go to a graphic designer that uh, that well, works in house, but he's incredible. I spend the money on a quality corporate identity product. So they're actually they know what I want. They know who my market and my audience is. So that's very important. And if you have to find sure. that out, do that first. Find out who your audience is, who you'd be marketing to. You can use an app like SparkToro, which can, it's very simple to use, but it'll show you your competitors, influencers, and people they follow. You can understand the demographic. Get that done first. Let your brand, your, your, your graphic artist know exactly what you're looking for. And they can help bring that out. Know the colors. Put the colors of your logo, like have them do a spec sheet for you. So you don't have, sure. you're describing light blue to somebody. If I tell you, hey, I need a color in light blue in this graphic, and my color of light blue and your color of light, there's so many different hues that it's never going to be the same. But if I tell you a specific number, you know, this is what it is, then you have to follow it. So... Branding sure. and the color of branding, that orange in the back with this other podcast I do, the I Know This Guy, that's a very specific yeah. orange. You know, we know exactly what it is. We can give that spec sheet to somebody and they know. Now, for the logo, you know, the first time around isn't necessarily the best logo. I like to look at my competitors. I like to know what I'm trying to achieve. I like to know what my mission statement is. Like I, the, sure. like I want to know that tagline too, because that means everything. Once you once you have that, then building a brand is living the brand. It's building a, a culture around your brand. It's it, it is two feet, you know, two. It is two feet in the water. It can be costly, or it could be on a budget. It depends how fast you want to grow. Sure. But for me. I want to bring out, I want to look like the authority. I want to get a website out there. I want to get social media. With my social media, uh, I want to create templates using those colors. Everything is about the colors, the logos, the font. That's where I start. And then on Amazon, it's really nice because you can you know, build that community. You, if, if you have a brand registry and you have customer engagement, you can target those people. Sure. If you're not... If you're doing it on TikTok with an influencer and driving traffic, like I said earlier, authority equals trust equals sales. The first red flag, if people come and they look at something and they say, that doesn't quite look right, they're clicking off. You're sure. a micro brand. They don't trust you. But building, yeah, building that big community, how do you get there? So another area that I look at is building up, like you, you don't have to do a thousand social media pages, but for us it's going, and I learned this tip from a guy named Stephen Black, really great guy, going into yeah. a Facebook group, listening to the tone of that Facebook group, and then uh, interacting. Start interacting, start commenting, start you know getting and posting valuable information. And then all of a sudden, miraculously, they're going to come back and start liking what you're saying and liking your page. Yeah. And we also, because we know the demographic, are creating emails, like usually little videos or maybe some images on Facebook. And we're building up a like campaign. So now we have 5,000 or 100,000 people who are our audience sure. that 
I mean, they like our brand. And once you have them, then it's easy. Then what you're doing is, you know, our friends over at Post Purchase Pro, you send them emails. You know, sure. if you send an email out and you have a customer already who's going to buy, do you think they're not going to be part of your community? I, 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 I mean, I just love this old school marketing. Send them a postcard. You know, sure. That builds a community. So, I mean, I could go on forever on building a community, but, you know, yep. summary. Yeah, I know. And I, I love the connecting with the community, seeing how they're communicating, starting to yes. speak their language and everything too, and being able to yeah put yourself in their shoes. And, you know, from how I got started on the advertising side, it was actually starting as a seller and being a part of all those communities. And that was so influential. And I think how we can kind of talk and connect with different sellers as we go, because I've been there before, but even if you haven't been there, like if you're getting in these communities, people are so open and you will get that direct feedback, especially as you start communicating and just being able to speak yeah. their language and being able to connect on that more personal level. If you can't get there, then your branding isn't going to mean if you much. Can't connect. <laughs> so you, your brand is there to help to speak to those buyers. And like you said, if they look and they see something's off, hey, all right, you're not speaking to me. You don't fully understand what I need. But yeah, if you can truly speak to that person, I feel like that's where the power of branding really comes into play. Yeah, even uh, like on your Amazon or Walmart listings, you know, it asks for images. Give them yep. good images, you know, except there is an exception. So what I find is that if I'm showing a lifestyle or an influencer image. Sure. I find more engagement with something that doesn't look polished. So if somebody takes an iPhone or it doesn't, I mean, it just looks raw. Yeah. I'm going to get more engagement on that than somebody who set up product lighting and, you know, it, it won't get the same because the truth is in the iPhone image. Sure. You know, but that's the only exception, I believe. All the other stuff has got to be better than your competitors. Sure. Sure. Yeah. It's like being able to see the difference from like a stock polished image versus, yeah. all right, here, here's the true lifestyle image that I'm actually seeing here. I, I love it when um like I, I do my own product research and, you know, I'm into soap and I see the same people. I see the same woman. She must get around quite a bit. She's always in the same bathtub with the same bubbles and <laughs> she happens to be on Pixabay. So, yep. you know. <laughs> Hey, if you if, if, like, at least go to a good site I and mean, Pixabay is, is useful. But what I like to do is I actually like to get a model. I can yeah. get models. I can get models for free. I can get models and pay them 300 bucks. And I don't know, maybe the bubble baths. I don't know. Maybe I can't get a bubble bath, but I can get them in the shower. I can get them washing their hands. I can get them pouring shampoo into their hands. There's so many things you can do and people go, yeah, that's a real shot not a stock photograph. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Yeah. And I mean, from there too, like what we see, we work with a lot of bigger brands on their advertising and advertising over time is getting much more expensive as you go. And so there's certain types of brands that can afford that right. because they're getting such a great return on their products. And to get that great return on your products, you have to have that higher perceived value to be able to charge more and maintain your margins so you can afford things like the more expensive advertising that's coming along. And without that solid brand 
opinion and being able to speak that language and just being another me too product it's just hard to thrive and exist in the long term anymore can i give you an example of just simple perception will do it's crazy it. yep so we work with a company that uh, sells knives and they sell Damascus knives, so it's very expensive, layered steel. Like you, you, sure. it, It's a beautiful knife. It stays sharp forever. Anyways, it's a $16 cost of goods, I, or landed. It's a landed cost, 16 bucks. Sure. So the selling price originally was $49, but it came in an ugly clamshell with, you know, just a cardboard stuffer in the back, right? It just yeah, yeah. slid in the back. Well, we looked at it and we said, well, why, why don't we create a better packaging, rigid box, EVA foam where you can drop the knife in, magnetic so you can flip it up, everything just a little bit better and a nice outer box and like a like almost like an iPhone box. Sure. Okay, so that happens. Now we bring it out and we've got it. We raise the price over a period of time and we got it up between, it's, it's sitting there now between 99 and 124, the same $16 knife and they spent sure. a couple bucks on packaging. Then we went back and we said, well, what else can we do? Let's take that $16 knife and hammer the steel. Okay, so it's a hammered Damascus knife, so it looks different. Put it in a wood box. Let's bring it out at 224. Okay, and now there was, you had to go into the marketplace and you had to see that there was, there was knives that were selling at 30 bucks. There was knives, like there was actually a really nice pricing tier that, I saw from 79 to like it was, I think it was 149. So it came out sure. 99 to 124. But there was that next layer of really high end knives that went from, I think it was like 175 ish up to about 400 bucks. So I knew that people, these knives were in demand. I knew yeah. that these were like high quality products as well. So all we did was get a $3. We added three bucks and sure. added another $100 to the $16 knife. That is awesome. Yeah, it's great, but it's all perceived value and the brand. Yeah. Yep. I love that. I love that. And when you can take the same product, and there may be other people who are selling a very similar knife and can't even break through to make enough margin to even keep selling them. I can and tell so you the comp competition is the, the really bad ones are selling yeah. at 49, 39. We're at 99, 124, 224. That is awesome. Yeah. Yeah. A perfect example. I love yeah. that. Yeah. Well, Norm, I feel like we could talk for hours and I feel like we haven't even scratched the surface. <laughs> um, <laughs> but for anybody who wants to check out more and hear more from you, you've got so much awesome content. Like where are spots where they should go to find you? Well, probably the easiest thing is I have a podcast, too. It's called Lunch with Norm, and that happens Mondays, Wednesdays and Fridays live Eastern Standard Time. If you want to reach out to me, probably the best email is norm at amz like amazon amz dot club not com dot club i love it it sounds great yep so i highly recommend that you check out norm's podcast connect with him on social reach out via email got a ton of awesome content and obviously a lot of awesome experience so yeah <laughs> it's, it's been great having you on the podcast hey it's been great being here
Yeah, I appreciate it. And for all those who are listening to the Ad Project podcast, as always, really appreciate you listening and looking forward to you joining next time.